How do we build better men? That's a question that we often ask ourselves here on this podcast. Today, our guest, who is a comedian, actor, author, and father, and has written a book called A Better Man, A Mostly Serious Letter to My Son. Stay tuned after these messages. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. This is the On Boys Parenting Podcast. I'm your co-host, Janet Allison of boysalive.com with my co-host Jennifer L.W. Fink of buildingboys.net. Welcome. I get to talk to Janet every week and share with her some of my boy raising frustrations and get encouragement and input. And now listeners, you can too. Her Decoding Your Boy program includes monthly support and the themes are everything that you are worried about. School and homework, screen time and video games, siblings, the importance of dad. Janet, you've got everything here. You know, I've been listening to parents for what, 20 years now and things center around a theme. And we know that there's always the boy development questions and the boy communication questions, but wrapping them around a theme actually enables us to get our heads around it. So Decoding Your Boy is a monthly program. You can join anytime throughout the year and we get on Zoom together. You are live with me. This is not recorded videos. It's not a course. This is what's going on for you right now. What are your questions? I'm going to be answering them. We're going to be doing some coaching together. It is on the spot, real time with me live. I want you to be able to forge that deeper relationship with him that you have long desired and that you all deserve to have. So go to boysalive.com slash decode. No matter what time of the year you're hearing this, you are welcome. You can join us. We meet on the first and 15th of every month. Decoding your boy, less whining, more connecting. Isn't that what we all want, Jen? It's what I want. Boysalive.com slash decode. And I look forward to having you join me in this unique group program. And now on boys. Just a little heads up, the sound might be a little funny. Jen and I are both joining remotely and Michael's outside. So bear with any background noise you hear. Thanks. How do we build better men? That question has been on my heart and on my mind for the better part of two decades. It's why I do what I do. It's why Janet does her work. It's why we do this podcast. And this question is as important as ever. It is critically important for all of us. And it is a question that today's guest has asked and attempted to answer in his book, A Better Man, 
a mostly serious letter to my son. Joining us today is comedian, actor, author, and father, Michael Ian Black. Hi. Hello, how are you? Super duper. Great to have you. Great to be here. So we set this interview up a long time ago after the 2018 shooting at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas High School in Florida, you were moved and you tackled this question. You wrote an op-ed for the New York Times. Uh, it got a lot of play. The op-ed is the boys are not all right. And you pointed out girls aren't the ones pulling the triggers. It's boys. It is almost always boys. America's boys are broken and it's killing us. I wish that wasn't so damn relevant. Yeah, unfortunately, it's uh, it's always relevant. I mean, that's that's the bummer of it is that I knew when I was writing, I knew when I was writing the book, and it was inspired by that shooting at a high school in Florida, that it wouldn't be the last. Um, in fact, as I was finishing writing the book, there was another one, and now as we're having this conversation, there was another one a few days ago. This is something that we clearly need to keep talking about. And you do your work and I do my work and Janet does her work. You know, it can seem overwhelming. Start with some words of encouragement, if you could, for all the parents who are listening, and you know as well as I do, the people who are listening, we really want to do better. We want to be part of the solution. Well, the place of encouragement to start from is that the boys, boys in general, for all of our problems, and we have them, <laughs> and uh, they are they are not insignificant. We're okay. I mean, boys like girls are resilient and strong and creative and adaptable, and need uh some attention and guidance and love and we can figure ourselves out we can move forward in positive and constructive ways conversations like this i hope will keep that progress going boy boyhood and manhood does not need to be reinvented it does not need to be uh even i would say altered significantly it needs to be enhanced and expanded, but the things that make your boys boys, those are by and large good things and, and should be encouraged and um, supported along with other things. I totally agree with you. And coming into my mind is the post on social media and my Facebook group from a mom of a young boy about gunplay. And we know boys play with guns and they'll play with sticks and all of those, all of that. And toasts, and toasts. Yeah, yeah. And and I and I'm I'm thinking of all our listeners around the globe, and, and it's what Jen said. We do want to do better. We are one-on-one -on -one doing better. And in our in our communities, I believe that we are doing better. And then there's you know, there's the boys that become the shooters and they're the ones who have fallen through the cracks. They're the ones who have given so many warning signs. And Jen just wrote an article about all the red flags. 
and it's like there's nowhere to go even if a even if a a peer saw a threatening post where do they go and and so it's this larger system i think that that for me is the frustration that the system isn't working and how do we affect change at that level well i don't know i mean i don't small i don't know small question any... small question no, I, there, don't... Michael. <laughs> well, I, I, I don't know how you know reporting systems work i don't know how um social services work i don't know any of that and while i think it's important to talk about these shooters i mean really important and they raise big questions and while it's it's those kinds of events that generate the most headlines and certainly got me to write my book i find myself more interested in the day-to-day -day small work of parenting and small work of boyhood and manhood um the the guys who are never going to become mass shooters but do have um issues that they don't know how to deal with that they they mm -hmm. they may feel stifled in their masculinity they may feel trapped in their masculinity and they're looking for ways to more fully express themselves as men the ones who commit spectacular acts of violence they're fortunately those are outliers um these are not yet common events although they're far too common but the day-to-day -day stuff that's the stuff where most of my attention is focused. i love that you said that too because that day-to-day -day stuff it means where each of us live and in that you know love guidance uh the silly stupid stuff that happens you know raising our children stumbling over their shoes um the stench of their soccer cleats uh the backpack that they didn't bother unpacking until it's once again the first day of school and you don't even know what that is on the bottom right it's in those <laughs> moments where we create these connections and i think i don't want to dismiss the the big picture but if we are so focused on like how do i make sure my kid's not a mass shooter we can miss a lot of the fun along the way yeah <laughs> thankfully most of our kids are not going to grow up to be mass shooters most of our kids are going to grow up and they're going to be okay boys and girls we're i do trust that humanity has survived for many, many years, um, generation after generation, and most people grow up and function and do okay. That being said, there are some real issues going on with boys that need to be addressed. Um, real practical stuff. Um, the fact that boys are graduating at lower rates uh, from college than girls right now. That's not to take anything away from girls. It's great that they're graduating at such high numbers, but why are boys' rates declining? Right. Um, we see that the marketplace for the the, the jobs in, in in the contemporary marketplace tend to, are are favoring people who have uh, creativity and empathy and are good listeners and are good collaborators. And these are all attributes that are historically 
attributable attributed more to women than to men. So we have to encourage our boys to develop these attributes, not just for their own psychological well-being, but so they can make a living in the 21st century. Um, in addition to the fact that they'll just be happier, more well-rounded individuals if they develop those parts of themselves. It can be so hard, you know, I think if I did my math right, your son and one of mine are similar in age. How old is your son now? 21. Okay, I have a 21-year-old son too, so we're, you know, raising kids at the same time. Mm -hmm. And it's so challenging when you can see as a parent all this value in empathy and collaboration, creativity, these things we're talking about, the value to our boys, both as humans and as, you know, potential people in the workplace and relationships. And our boys are coming up in society that hasn't yet fully decided if we're going to value these things in guys. Mm -hmm. Um I know I watched my son, you know, struggle because some of the typical stereotypical guyish, and I'm putting air quotes under this, you know, boorish behavior, the way boys sometimes talk with each other, it's like they're trying to fit in. And I'm over mm -hmm. here as a parent going, hmm, did you deal with some of that with your son? Um, yes, maybe in a different way. So okay. my son's like friend group wasn't quite like that. They weren't like, you know, that sort of typical boorish boy behavior. But I did notice and continue to notice that um, my son does sort of retreat um, into that kind of guy shell. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think he struggles sometimes to break out and kind of be his full self. I will say I think he's more emotionally mature at his age than I was at that age, yeah. uh, which is a good thing. Some of that is just, you know, coming into your own and, and maturity. Some of it, I think, is sort of learned male behavior. What were some things in your growing up that highlight this, what we're talking about, and that stand out for you of this inside outside that we talk about the masks or you talked about the shell. When did that become apparent to you as you were growing up? For me, the uh, most apt example is when my dad died, I was 12 and I didn't deal with it in any way. I just shut down and uh, didn't know how to deal with it, didn't know how to talk about it, didn't want to talk about it, didn't want to reach out, didn't want to ask for help. Help wasn't really offered to me in any way. Mm -hmm. um, and I just kind of retreated and didn't really emerge for 30 years, you know, mm -hmm. just sort of went into a hole and kind of covered myself up a little bit. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't entirely bleak. I mean, I functioned and I, you know, I had relationships and I think I was a good friend and a good partner and all of that, but there definitely was a part of me that just stayed buried and um, had to learn how to dig myself out. It's a coping strategy. You know, mm -hmm. at 12, you just needed to stay as safe as you could and be able to get through the day. And at that moment, it was, I can't deal with this. You didn't know how, how could you? You're, you're 12. 
Yeah, that's right. But some of it also had to do with, I know it had to do with being a boy and being unwilling and afraid to emote, to ask for help, to um, show vulnerability. I, so I didn't. I just, and, and like I said, like that set me up in a pattern of uh, withdrawal that lasted, you know, a long time and continues to last to some extent. I'm working on it. This episode is sponsored by By Heart. Babies need to eat. And whether you breastfeed or bottle feed, use formula, combine all of the above, you need options. We wanted to let you know about By Heart Baby Formula. By Heart has a patented protein blend that gets the closest to breast milk. It includes two of the most abundant proteins in breast milk. And Byheart actually ran a clinical trial comparing their formula to a leading infant formula and proved that babies on Byheart have softer poops, less spit up, and easier digestion. Byheart is also the only U.S.-made infant formula to use organic, grass-fed whole milk. So if you need baby formula for your baby, consider Byheart. New customers can get 10% off your first order by using code ONBOYS at byheart.com. That's B-Y-H-E-A-R-T dot com slash podcast. And it is 10% off your first order. Byheart.com slash podcast. This is a limited time offer and additional terms and conditions may apply. We all know that vitamins can help fill nutritional gaps in our diet. But a lot of us don't like to take vitamins because we don't like swallowing pills. How do you feel about that, Janet? There's some days that I look at my vitamins and go, yeah, I should take those. I'll do it later. But I'll tell you what's changed. I have gotten easy melt vitamins. I have the D3 and I have the B12s and a multivitamin and I just pop them in my mouth and they dissolve and I don't have to think about swallowing a vitamin. Yeah, and you don't necessarily need water either to have on hand to get this big vitamin now. Yeah, no, and they taste good and they're sugar-free. They melt quickly. The reason they melt is because of plants, not chemicals. Ah, plant-based nutrition. For a limited time only, you can receive a free, free three-month supply of Easy Melt Vitamin D3 with your first purchase. To claim your free D3, visit try.easymelts.com slash onboys. That's try, T-R-Y dot easymelts, E-Z-M-E-L-T-S dot com forward slash on boys. One of the things that's difficult for me as a parent, you know, you, you go through stuff. Uh, there's something about having kids that shows you the things you haven't dealt with yet. You know, um, the things that you're working on, but could still work on. And the things you realize, you know, you realize now as a, as a full grown adult, yeah, this was my coping strategy then. And it, it got me through, but there were some issues with that. It affected me. And so you want to help your son and other boys, you know, not go to that place for 30 years, for instance. So you 
among other things, you, you parent and you write this book, you know, a letter to my son. And I'm first of all, really curious. Has he read it? No. Thank you. I have a 21 year old. That is fully the answer I expected. And I so appreciate <laughs> telling you that. <laughs> no, he, he, of course he hasn't read it. He'll read it when I'm, he'll read it when I'm dead. If then. Which will be fine. Because fine. at 21, you've done the work of parenting him and he's where he's at right now. And you and I and Jan and every, like, there's so much growth that's going to happen yet after 21. Mm -hmm. And also there's nothing in that book that I think will surprise him in right. terms of, you know, I hope I've done a good enough job as a parent and modeled the kind of behavior that I would hope to see that, that he, you know, He's not going to he's not going he's not going to be floored when he opens the book and he's like, I can't believe my father thought that. Mm -hmm, no, I mean, right. it's, it's, it's the sort of day to day stuff that hopefully I've been living in front of him and, and that he's been witnessing. Um, you know, there's probably anecdotes and stories and things that may surprise him, but the sort of larger themes of it. No, that's all stuff that he already knows, I believe. How many times, Janet, have we talked about the importance of the role modeling? Absolutely. Yeah. Because that goes, I feel like that goes to the soul level rather than, you know, it's not the surface stuff, it's the deeper stuff. And that, you know, we know as we parent, we're parenting like our parents parent parented us. And so hopefully this is the generation where it kind of switches and they actually have some have some things to role model some goodness to role model not that our parents weren't good i'll i'll put that blanket statement out there but as jen and i have talked about there's you know there's some things that we wanted to do differently than our parents did and so some of, course, of that is so every generation. yeah so it's that unspoken just living by example place for sure well and it's i can't tell my boys to treat other people with respect if I'm disrespecting everybody I come in contact with, if I'm going off on, you know, the cashier at the gas station because he couldn't help me right away, it doesn't matter how many lectures I give about respect if I'm not living it. Yeah, but let's be honest, that was a terrible cashier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. The, yeah. Um, why did I mention the cashier at the gas station as an example? Yeah, there might be something there. <laughs> Um, yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's simple stuff. We all know that we all know that, you know, we have to model the behavior that we want to see in our kids. And uh, hopefully we do that. Now, look, I'm not holding myself up to be a, a, a great parent. I think I did okay. Um, I certainly made all the mistakes that every parent makes. I continue to make mistakes. I continue to screw up. I hope that maybe I'm slightly above average in acknowledging when I've screwed up. And um, at least, you know, working on trying not to screw up the same way again, although inevitably I do, because we all live, you know, we all live in patterns and, and it's hard to break those patterns. In your book, you reference an old SNL skit, ¿Quién es más macho? What is more macho? And I don't actually remember ever seeing that skit but it's so obviously apparent, a game that you can play with anything, and we all know the answers. 
it's why the sketch is funny. It was written in 1977. And the premise of it is it's a Spanish language game show where Bill Murray is showing basically uh, two celebrities and he's saying, who is more macho? And then the, and then the, the celebrities on the show uh, uh, are Ricardo Montalban and Lorenzo Lamas. And the contestants have to say which one is more macho. And these are both like, you know, sort of classically macho Latino actors. And it's absurd. But what's funny about it is that you can sort of surmise an answer based on nothing other than the shared vocabulary that all of us have without really fully being aware of it. So you can play that game with anything. And I give some examples in the book, like what's more macho, coffee or tea? You know, what's more macho, uh, a German shepherd or a poodle? You know, you can, you can do it with anything and yeah, you'll like, all kind of instinctively know the answer. What's more macho, butter or margarine? Butter, like, are you kidding? Right? <laughs> we all know that answer instantly. And we are talking about food. Yep. And we both instantly know the answer. And I can even explain the answer because margarine was considered the healthier alternative at one point to butter. Um, and any anytime you're concerned with your health, as a man, it's feminizing. If you're at all concerned about how long am I gonna live or is this gonna, is this, you know, is this good for me, that's feminizing. So butter, because it's full fat, uh, and comes from an animal, that's more macho. It's ridiculous. And yet you can do it about literally anything. I have found myself thinking about that so much since I read it, because it is true. And it helps us see the shared vocabulary that we all have and we all know, and that parents, our boys are living with this. Yeah. And, you know, you, any body, any, any person will be fluent in this language, probably by age five or six without fully being aware of it. And when you start to deviate from it, when you decide as a boy, I want to wear the pink shirt today, under, you understand that you're running a risk of being portrayed as more girlish than your contemporaries. So a boy will refuse to wear a pink shirt. And it's a color, you know, it really has nothing to do with anything, but the landmines are, are all around us as boys. Anytime, if we step in the wrong place, we're gonna be, we risk being mocked or made fun of, teased, you know, and, yeah. and that's, that's, that's tough. I plan on playing this game, game show style. I have four boys, Michael. Uh, <laughs> they range in age from 16 to 24 right now. Janet, how much fun do you think we can have sitting around the table playing this game, which also, you know, I'm sneaky. I mean, it is a subtle discussion of, hey, this is our cultural conception of masculinity and kind of crazy, right? Yeah. Yeah. Butter or margarine. It is completely crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. we all knew the answer. Okay, I have to ask you this question because, you know, like you're a funny guy. So class clowns. Class clowns often tend to be boys. One of mine was tagged a class clown early on. And you know, I saw for him, he tried not to disrupt the class, except for when he thought it was worth it. And this would really make people laugh. 
And so, you know, some of our kids, I don't want to excuse bad behavior, but they find ways to, to use their creativity and connect with their peers. And I actually wrote, I actually wrote a blog post called In Praise of Class Clowns. And I'm just wondering, you know, what your thoughts here are for, for those of our parents who may have a boy who fits that definition. I think for a lot of students, kids in school, boys and girls, school, maybe for most, can feel kind of stultifying. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe boys more than girls have tend to have a harder time just on focused, still activity. And so it's unsurprising that certain boys will be attracted to that kind of, um, you know, for lack of a better word, disruptive behavior where they're expressing themselves. You know, it's a kind of creative outlet. It might not necessarily be entirely positive um, because it does disrupt. Right. And, you know, I'm sure it's maddening for teachers, but it is funny. <laughs> right. Yeah, there's got to be moments. You were a first grade teacher. Oh my I gosh. know as a parent, there are times when my kids did things that I know I can't laugh at in front of them, but oh my God, that's funny. Yeah, wait till you get down to the teacher's room and talk about what happened. Yeah, there's plenty of funny moments and you are trying to maintain some, some order and some flow in the classroom, but and I think it's valuable to just give it over and laugh with them mm -hmm. because we don't always have to be so serious as the adults. Right? right? Yeah. So it has now been about two years since your book first came out. And, you know, a few things have happened since then. COVID, for instance, and you know, uh, more mass shootings and more reports of sexual abuse and, you know, war broke out in the Ukraine. And of course there's been, you know, there have been good things. Um, but from your vantage point, are there things that if you were writing the book today, you know, you would want, you would want to add or thoughts you've had since it came out when you're like, Oh, I wish I'd remembered. And I put that in. No, I mean, I think the sort of big thematic stuff that I, wrote then I would write now there's not a lot that I would add to it you know there's specific things that have happened since I wrote it that surprised me although they shouldn't have like the you know the, the politicization of mask wearing for example which became a kind of mandate I think on in some ways on masculinity yeah Right, masked or unmasked, and uh, we, in a in, in a certain in a, in a very real way, we gendered science. It's absurd, but it happened. It will continue to happen. I I couldn't have foreseen it, I guess, but in retrospect, it doesn't surprise me that it happened. Yeah, as we're having the conversation, it does feel like why didn't we see that, and and yet gendering science uh, especially when you know we had had for a while this uh cultural conception that science and math are for boys i don't understand but we've done we've made like really good strides in the last few decades of 
dismantling that idea and we continue to make really good strides in dismantling that idea and yet you know something like climate change is also a kind of weird referendum on your masculinity and again it's that butter margarine thing if you claim to care about the health of the earth as a certain kind of man it's feminizing from your vantage point today this book's been out in the world your son is 21 he is a full-fledged adult and i'm putting air quotes around that too because anybody right uh but from your vantage point today what would you say are maybe the top two or three things that parents can do to build better men well the first thing i think is obvious and and difficult and that is to be for your sons and for your daughters the kind of person you want them to grow into it gets back to modeling behavior and the reason it's so difficult is it is it's because is because it will necessitate you doing work on yourself and finding those roadblocks you have as an adult yeah. um and really examining them and looking at them and seeing how you can overcome them um Honestly, I feel like that's that's the most important thing. That any really of us it, isn't it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. And then just listen, you know, just listen and 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 take them seriously, take them seriously as people, you know, um, give them respect. Value all of those little conversations, and you know, they're talking to you about Fortnite again. I know your kids are probably past that, but all of those little moments deserve the respect and the regard of just simply listening. And I always think reassurance is an important part of this too, of like, you mm -hmm. are okay, exactly how you are. It's and you're mm -hmm. going to be okay, you will grow through this if you're having a hard time right now. So listening and reassuring. Yeah, I think that reassuring component is really important. And it doesn't have to be, you know, hand stroking and, and hugging, although that stuff is great, but just in in listening and reflecting back, you know, you're reassuring, you know, and mm -hmm. just being there mm -hmm. and and treating them with the respect that and understanding that if they're talking to you about Fortnite, it's because that's important to them and they trust you to hear what they have to say about something that's important to them and and you know even though you don't give a shit about Fortnite, treat that as a gift because it is yeah you know yeah. i've known for a long time you know if it's important to them and they're that excited i need to listen it's a bid for connection until yeah. you were talking i never fully realized how obvious it is clearly my kids know i know nothing about Fortnite. I have no uh, intelligence skills or tips. If they wanted to talk to somebody about Fortnite who knew something, I would be the last person they'd come to. Right. But they want to share that with you. And that's that's a tremendous act of trust on their part. So yeah. receive it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Your book is A Better Man, A Mostly Serious Letter to My Son. It is now out in paperback. It's beautiful. It's easy to read. It's uh, like 
truly, you can just pick it up and flip through it while you're eating your lunch or whatever, breakfast, and feel encouraged, laugh a little bit, um, think. It's available all over the place. Um, where else can people, you know, learn more about what you're up to these days? What are you up to these days? What do you have coming out? I'm touring a bit, acting a little bit, you know, just doing regular showbiz stuff. But you can find me on Twitter. That's basically where I live, at Michael Ian Black. And uh, do you post, like, upcoming shows and stuff on Twitter if people want to yeah. know where they can catch you? Okay. Uh, you can, uh, MichaelIanBlack.com has my upcoming shows and stuff. All right. We will put that all in the show notes, listeners. Michael, thank you so much for joining us today. My pleasure. Thank you, Michael. Thank you for listening. This is the On Boys Parenting Podcast. We appreciate you, our listeners. We hope that you will share this with a friend if you find it valuable and entertaining and insightful. Also, don't forget decoding your boys, less yelling, more connecting. That is your opportunity to join me for a group program. We meet live twice a month and we talk about what is going on for you. Boysalive.com slash decode. I would love to have you join our global community of like-minded parents that want to raise the best kids they can. And I'm here to support you to do that. Boysalive.com slash decode. Thanks again for listening. We are Janet Allison of boysalive.com and Jennifer L.W. Fink of buildingboys.net. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.